the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business. And I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. While you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump in. I am so thrilled and ecstatic to be joined by Janan Glasgow-George, who has built her career from engineering to patent law and investment by transforming ideas into assets and connecting innovators to the resources they need to make a positive impact. She's the CEO and co-founder of Patent Forecast, a business intelligence software as a service company that provides insights for investors and executives, serial entrepreneurs and innovators, giving vision ahead of market data using patent data and artificial intelligence. Janan Glasgow-George, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well, you are quite well recognized worldwide for your expertise in intellectual property, but I always love to sort of start in the very beginning, um, which I have always been told is the very best place to start. And I am very curious to learn how you became so passionate about your work. Where did this fire get started? Wow, I think it all comes from my belief in God. We're all created in God's image and likeness and have power to create things. I think that's what we do as human beings on the planet. And so I'm a recovered engineer. I started as an engineer making things, right? And then went into patent law. Wow, awesome. And I know you wrote the book, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, called The IP Miracle, um, which I'm really curious, uh, those words, The IP Miracle, but I love that answer. That's awesome. So I heard a little birdie told me that you were able to predict Fitbit was going to get acquired months before it did using that patent forecasting that I mentioned before. How did that come to be? How did somebody like you, Janan, know that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I guess Abraham Lincoln said you have to, if you want to predict the future, you have to create it. And maybe Steve Jobs said you have to invent it. Well, it turns out patent data is a a leading indicator about what will happen in the market. And when we look at uh, our patent forecast software, we look at patterns of behavior in various areas. And one of the patterns we notice, of course, is who comes in later to the market, but is a big deep pockets player like Google, like Apple, they tend to acquire companies that have a better patent position and usually coupled with some commercial product, but not always. So our patent forecast data showed that Fitbit had the dominating patent position with the wearables, especially for a trending area of consumer sleep. And Google and Apple, they have only a couple things, only a few assets there. So it seems like an obvious call almost a year ahead of the acquisition. 
That's wild. And it's funny, just before this interview, I was looking um, and I saw how Google is utilizing the product. I was just looking at all this uh, very nerdy data, um, but yeah. I guess that's what you do a lot of. Again, I'm chatting with Janan Glasgow, George, uh, the author of the IP Miracle and the, uh, the expert on intellectual property. Uh, as well as patent forecasting. So again, we've, we've started throwing that term around, um, uh, patent forecasting. So for our small business owners, entrepreneurs that might be tuning in, how can they utilize this platform to make better decisions? Sure. So again, patent data is a leading indicator. So you might think you know what's happening in your market sector with your competition. Um, but when you begin to look into who's actually invested to create patents there, you get a, a whole nother level, a different dimension of what's coming into the market. So even a small business and entrepreneurs should be looking into their sector of patent data to see who's already filed, who's come before them, and what's coming next in the commercial space. So anybody can do it. Patent data is free, but our patent forecast data makes it really easy to explore what's happening. So you don't have to get geekier into the weeds of how to run the searches. You can just explore, just sort of like Google Maps, but for patents, just dive into a neighborhood that you're interested in. Definitely. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned this a few minutes ago, but you are uh, certainly a, uh, an inventor, an entrepreneur, a patent attorney, uh, as well as a former patent examiner. So that background is giving you that ability to see that intellectual property from that corporate, legal, and government perspectives, which uh, I find fascinating. I know you're a Forbes contributor and, again, author of the new book, The IP Miracle, and you've advised the Senate Small Business Committee and several congressional offices on intellectual property and cryptocurrency. So let's talk about that book, The IP Miracle. Why do you refer to IP as a miracle? Oh, yeah, of course. Because really the only unlimited resource we have in the world is our ideas, right? But ideas are worth nothing if they stay in your head. So the miracle is getting them out of your head onto paper, and transforming them into assets. Usually patents are the most valuable assets of any business. And so that's why I think it's miraculous. We just create assets with words. That's amazing. That's fantastic. So uh, what is, what's, what's in that book? What, what can people expect to walk away with um, that, they, that they perhaps didn't know before? How will it better our small business owners and entrepreneurs in their career? Well, it's the first and only book that's been written for entrepreneurs about intellectual property as business assets. So it's not a treatise on patent law or trademark or copyright, but it's the essential things that you have to know as an inventor, as a small business owner, entrepreneur, even if you're a growing company, even if you've taken on funding in the past and you filed some patents, there's content here that you didn't know about. You just don't know the full story because attorneys are reactive, not proactive. So I share some secrets about how to get the most out of all of your intellectual property in a company and how to inventory it. If you've never done it before, these things are essential. So it's really probably 23 years of law practice in about 15 chapters for entrepreneurs. So not legal mumbo jumbo. 
That's awesome. So you mentioned faith a few minutes ago, and I know faith guides your business, guides who you are, and that's uh, where we started in this conversation. One of the things that I've seen uh, quite fascinating from from what you've written and, and spoken about in the past are faith-based business principles. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it guides you in your day-to-day work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, as I mentioned, we're all called to create. So I believe exercising that creative power that we have is something that's important and perhaps even a responsibility for everyone. But I also would say every entrepreneur has unwavering faith in their own ideas, right? So there's a faith element, even if you don't believe in God, you have faith in what you imagine, what you envision, you can bring it into reality. And I think in another way, it's about community, the connection that we have with other people. Because while we may have brilliant ideas, even great intellectual property assets, normally you don't do anything on your own. You need investors, you need other collaborators in your business. Maybe it's someone with a different tech background, someone with a finance background. So I think that idea of community is core to my spiritual thinking, but it's important as an entrepreneur. Definitely. So we're getting coming. We are coming close to the uh, to the end of our conversation over here. I do want to talk about a conference that I believe you just wrapped up called Eclipse that you do every October. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this was our ninth annual Eclipse conference, and we bring together a mix of investors, entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. About 120 people. And it's all about that collaboration. We give a spotlight on some entrepreneurs. We present interesting content. We just focused a lot of our discussion on the metaverse, Web3, and NFTs um, at this conference. But we heard from Silvina Moshidi, who is the founder of the Unicorn Hunters. She was live and in person. Andre Swanston told us about going from $9 in his bank account to nine figures and exits. So it's an extraordinary day. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, I've got a lot of questions and I can't wait to read the book and I can't wait to get in touch with you. And I know all of our listeners feel the same okay. way. So how can we pick up a copy of the IP Miracle and get in touch with you, Jan Glasgow George? So you can pick up a copy of the IP Miracle on Amazon or wherever you're shopping for books online, uh, also the audiobook, etc. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Janan Glasgow George, or find me through my law firm, Neo IP, N E O I P, and it's um, neoipassets.com. Neoipassets.com. And the book, once again, is called The IP Miracle. We've talked about faith based business principles. We've talked about patent forecasting. We've certainly talked about intellectual property. And I've certainly learned a lot in this conversation. I encourage all of our listeners definitely get in touch with Janan Glasgow George and pick up a copy of the IP Miracle. We'll link through our website. Speaking of our website, you get a sneak peek of who's going to be on next week on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can check out my website, shalomkline.com or subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast on your favorite podcast app. We've got to squeeze in a quick break here. Um, when we return, we're going to have a lot more small business jobs and entrepreneurship for you. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship innovation. Yes, innovation, it's occurring at a dizzying pace and the market is responding 
positively. But the reality is that 95% of new ideas and products fail because people don't understand how to get their idea to the marketplace. That's why I am chatting today with Lorraine Marchand, who uh, wrote The Innovation Mindset, Eight Essential Steps to Transform Any Industry. And I'm going to focus on that word, any, um, because I know Lorraine is going to reveal eight laws for making an innovative idea a reality. Lorraine, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. My pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So Lorraine is the Executive Managing Director uh, of uh, Meritive, uh, formerly IBM Watson Health, and has three decades of, ex- of experience in new product development. Uh, I know you've had a lot of different positions, co-founded a lot of different companies, and uh, Lorraine is an adjunct professor of management and serves on the Healthcare and Pharmaceutical Management Program Advisory Board at Columbia Business School uh, and uh, is an adjunct professor of innovation and entrepreneurship at Yeshiva University uh, in New York also an investor member of a venture firm, Plum Alley. Lorraine, that's a lot right there, and that gives you definitely the expertise to come onto the program as the subject matter expert. How did you become so passionate about about entrepreneurship and innovation? Well, that's a great question, and I would say that you know, the way I describe or define innovation, the innovation mindset is an insatiable curiosity, a passion for problem solving and embracing change. And uh, it's just something that I do think that to some extent it has been innate in me from a young age. I was really encouraged by my dad from the time I could talk and walk to always look and observe for problems. And then when I found a problem to identify at least three solutions on how to solve it. And he gave us some very early lessons that showed us that problem solving was fun and lucrative when we took our first product to market when I was 13. But from there, I just continued to believe that that problem solving and innovation and being able to advance society were uh, positive attributes that I wanted to be involved with and engaged and support. And so I've really just made sure that my career journey included being able to create new ideas, solutions, and new ways of working. Absolutely. And I love what you've done, uh, again, using those three decades as an innovator um, to uh, to put together the uh, this, this read. I'm not even going to call it a book because really it's a guide, 80 essential steps to transform any industry. So let's talk about, as I mentioned a, a moment ago, that three-letter word, any industry. How is that possible? So many of our entrepreneurs that are tuning in, business owners, are in a variety of different industries. And they're wondering, how can I do my product, my service differently? What would you say to them? Well, I would say that the eight laws are very fundamental to product or service development. And when we go through the laws, I think it'll be apparent why they are so fundamental. And, you know, clearly you need to do customization around your subject matter expertise, your industry, your types of customers. You'll you'll do some customization around the laws so that they're relevant to your product and your industry. But the fundamental building blocks are just the same whether you're in financial services or real estate or healthcare or consumer products or IT. So that's, and, and I have applied this methodology across the board to a number of industries, and it really has stood the test of time. Wow, fantastic. So we're not going to have time to go through all 
of these eight laws of innovation. Um, but as you said a moment ago, it's intended to ensure that successful transformation of so many different uh, businesses, which I know many of our entrepreneurs uh, certainly want to hear. And we're definitely going to send people to that guide, as you said a moment ago. But uh, Lorraine, what are, what are some of the fundamentals? What are some of the things that you've seen um, that, uh, again, can be applied both to big business and small business alike? Yeah. Well, one of the first, if I can focus on maybe a mistake that I see made often, and then I'll talk about the antidote to it. The mistake that I see made by startups and corporate entrepreneurs alike is rushing to a solution, really rushing to a solution before you have all the facts, before you know if there's a problem that you're solving that a customer is willing to pay for. So the very first law is to be really clear on what problem you're solving, what's wrong, why is it wrong, who's affected, and who cares are some of the you know very fundamental questions that can help us determine if we have a problem. And then from there to craft a uh, very articulate, uh, specific, measurable type of problem statement. Um, and by creating a real understanding of the problem and a clear problem statement, now that will guide us in terms of the solutions that we're going to start to brainstorm or develop that we can compare against solving that problem. So the first step is all around the right kind of problem identification and really being able to articulate a very tight problem statement that we can then share with a customer in order to confirm that it exists and that they also think it needs to be fixed. Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with the author of The Innovation Mindset, Eight Essential Steps to Transform Any Industry. And uh, Lorraine, I know you uh, you wrote this book together with uh, with John uh, Hank, who writes for The New York Times, Smithsonian, Newsday, and Brain and Life. Um, so I'm curious how that partnership came together and, and sort of where you drew on to, to put together these, uh, these eight uh, essential steps. Yeah. Well, the uh, the impetus and inspiration for the book really has come through my own 30-year journey, uh, both as an entrepreneur in corporations and as the founder, co-founder of four startups, and through my own experiences, as well as the individuals, whether it's students or startups or corporate executives that I've coached and mentored, and, and research that I also did, research and case studies. So really, that was the inspiration for the content. And as a very early in my career as an innovator, it I found out that it was a cumbersome process. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And so once I cracked the code on it, so to speak, and knew that I had these eight steps that had worked for me repeatedly, my goal was to put together this guide so that other individuals didn't have to take the time and make all the mistakes that I made. So I really hope that it can be an accelerator to get other individuals' big ideas to market quickly and effectively. And so when I decided to write the book, uh, John Hance was recommended to me as an editor. And I, so, so John has been the editor kind of slash co-writer. I've written the book. Uh, John did the editing and uh, contributed some, some components and stories to it. But what I really love about his background is 
I have a more technical and business background. And as you noted, John is a sports writer. And so we were just such a fabulous team because he didn't let me get away with using any buzzwords. If he didn't understand something and I didn't express it in plain English, we worked on it until I could. And so I think like having these eight fundamental building blocks and then being able to write it in a very conversational Um, simple, not not simplistic, but simple fashion has really helped me do what I wanted to do, which was to demystify uh, innovation and entrepreneurship, to make people know that it's very accessible, it's very doable, they don't have to feel intimidated that they're not Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, and that it is something, if you've got an idea, here's a path to to taking it to market. So that's really what I wanted to accomplish. And I appreciated John's, um, you know, sportscaster kind of influence and his voice. It, uh, it did help me get a lot of the buzzwords out. Absolutely. And with all these things, that's what uh, that's what created this guidebook. Uh, again, the Innovation Mindset, 80 Essential Steps to Transform Any Industry, um, which I definitely want to make sure we get our listeners to uh, so they can uh, pick up a copy and get in touch with you, Lorraine. So that's a perfect segue. That's a great homework assignment for everybody over here. Maybe it actually should be the nine essential steps, but the first one is actually picking, picking up a copy mm-hmm. of the read. So let's start with that one. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Lorraine H. Marchand. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I have a website, which is LorraineMarchand.com, and there's a contact form there. So those are both terrific ways to get in touch with me. I'm very active on LinkedIn and will definitely respond to messages and, and any kind of outreach. Fantastic. Again, Lorraine Marchand, um, really appreciate you sharing your expertise with our listeners, the innovation mindset. Um, definitely encourage all of our listeners to get in touch uh, through LorraineMarchand.com um, or just search for the book um, because you can go through all of those steps. Um, I particularly love this uh, number two. One great, great innovation starts with at least three good ideas. I'm looking forward to continuing my own read as well. But we've got to squeeze in a quick break, some headlines, commercials. When we come back, we've got a lot more small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, so you don't want to touch that dial. I encourage all of our listeners to get in touch with our sponsors, Tom Mirabali from HealthPlanChicago.com, HealthPlanChicago.com for all of, for all of your Affordable Care Act and uh, insurance needs. You could call them 630-863-3477. But again, a quick break. We'll be right back here on Get Down to Business on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled and excited to be joined by Drew Vernon. Drew is the marketing director for Tony's, where he leads Tony's for Teachers, partnering with schools, museums, and libraries to promote screen-free education for children. His work contributed to Tony's being named as one of the Fast Company's 2021 Most Innovative Companies in the Education category. And again, it is my pleasure to welcome Drew Vernon to Get Down to Business. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Um, So you've got quite an impressive background. I know that you previously led the U.S. preschool business for Lego, um, and you are an entrepreneur with an MBA in brand and product management from the University of Wisconsin. So you have quite an impressive background. I'm really curious to learn more about how how you uh, discovered your passion for making an impact for, uh, for kids in education. Yeah, it uh, took a little while. I am a marketer, so I went to business school and started out uh, working in beauty consumer packaged goods with Procter & Gamble. 
uh, sold a bit of lotion, some mascara, and uh, just wasn't having a whole lot of fun and decided I wanted to get into the toy business. So that's uh, when I went over to Lego. I worked on their preschool business and then uh, found my passion for improving the childhood experience. And now I'm carrying that passion over into my work at Tony's. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the premise of Tony's is uh, that we should absolutely care about sort of limiting that screen time. And I know many parents are uh, vigorously nodding their heads right now. But why why does it matter and how can we positively use technology to improve early education uh, teaching? I think that the COVID-19 pandemic has really trained us with a lot of bad habits. I think, uh, you know, not too long ago, we were shutting down our schools and starting to work from home. And a lot of parents were giving kids a screen or a Netflix show in order to babysit them. And I think there's a time and a place for a screen, but uh, when used too much, I think it begins to impact their behavior. I think we're seeing some uh, bad effects of too much screen time, social anxiety, inability to focus. And so Tony's is all about giving kids an alternative to screens and giving them another uh, option for entertainment and education. That's fantastic. So uh, I, I love that. We're going to talk about the Tony box in just a moment or two. Um, but you mentioned the pandemic a moment ago. And so I want to go back to that. If, God forbid, something like that were to happen again, um, I know you are very passionate about using your, your knowledge in, in, in certainly in, in consumer products and technology, um, but uh, certainly in education. How, how can we do a better job? In the military, we always say an AAR, an after-action review. How can we do that AAR on kids learning and that education during a pandemic? I think we need to look for ways that we can uh, engage their minds without the use of a screen. Uh, I tell people that when you give someone a screen, you give them exactly what they should be listening to and viewing. And when you move that stimulus, you put the creative responsibility on to the listener. And so I think we can do a better job by giving them things to think about, giving them creative prompts to, uh, to ponder and uh, make them come up with some of their own uh, stories, uh, have them come up with some of their, their own activities uh, based on the prompts that you give them. Absolutely. I'm chatting with Drew Vernon, the marketing director for Tony's, where he leads Tony's for Teachers, again, partnering with schools, museums, and libraries to promote screen-free education for children. Again, his work contributed to Tony's being named as one of the Fast Company's 2021 most innovative companies in the education category. And Drew previously led the U.S. preschool business for Lego, as well as spent time at Procter & Gamble and many other companies using his marketing genius. So speaking of marketing genius, we've got this Tony box, the Tony box. What is it and what makes it unique? Tony Box is a five-inch speaker cube. Uh, it's a speaker wrapped with a foam layer and very durable. You can give it to a two- or three-year-old, and they can use it independently, uh, which means they don't have to have mom or dad um, you know, navigating through the content. And the way that it works is you put a magnetic Tony on top of the box, and it will begin to play whatever it's programmed to play. So we have everything from Disney characters to Dr. Seuss, Peppa Pig, Paw Patrol, National Geographic, uh, basically, all of your children's favorite characters are or will become a Tony. That's awesome. The Tony box and uh, the team at Tony is certainly quite innovative and, again, uh, really innovating um, uh, early childhood education. Uh, certainly, lots of lessons learned from the pandemic. Uh, I, again, I know, uh, Drew, your team at uh, Tony's is uh, advocating for that importance of screen-free education and entertainment, as well as teaching the creative process to kids. And that's a good segue to make sure um, we get our listeners in touch with you and your team. How can we, how can we do that? How can we get in contact? 
you can find us at Tonys.com. It's T-O-N-I-E-S.com. Uh, we're also available at Amazon, Best Buy, Target, Barnes & Noble, Pottery Barn Kids. Uh, and uh, reach out to us. Uh, I'm uh, available on LinkedIn or hello at Tony's.com. Drew Vernon, I appreciate that very much. Just as we have about 30 seconds remaining, um, where do you see the future of entrepreneurship for uh, for children? Have you seen uh, a little bit of a desire of that creative energy coming out from our next generation? Absolutely. I think uh, everybody knows we live in a challenged world. Uh, I think the kids are going to be the the next generation. It's up to us to empower them and enable them with creative thinking and uh, just being able to, to tackle these challenges um, because it's not getting any easier and it's really going to take the innovation of the up-and-coming generation. That's awesome advice. Again, Drew Vernon, check out uh, the team at, uh, at Tony's, Tony Box, available all over. Just Google uh, Drew. I know uh, you're available on LinkedIn as well. And very, very much appreciate you sharing your expertise, your passion, which is quite evident indeed. We've got to cut to a quick break. I encourage all of our listeners to get in touch with our sponsor, Tom Mirabali, independent agent. You can check him out his website, healthplanchicago.com, or visit uh, him uh, by calling 630-863-3477, 630-863-3477, or again, his website, healthplanchicago.com. Again, a quick break, more small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return in just a moment. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. to get down to business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We know that we have the ability to transform ourselves and to persuade and influence others, but it really depends on the subtleties of effective communication. I'm very passionate about that. And um, certainly uh, our mind is constantly altering the information that's that's coming in, going out. But that communication, certainly very, very important. That's why I've got Stephen McGarvey, uh, the author of a fantastic Wall Street Journal, number one bestseller. It's called Ignite a Shift, Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions, and Driving Behavior. Stephen McGarvey, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Shalom. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So I always love to get to know the person behind the microphone. Um, you are passionate about key strategies uh, from, sex, from successful influencers to motivate people to excel professionally and personally. How did you develop your expertise in this area? I can't imagine it was one day in the shower. <laughs> that's uh, that's a funny comment. I actually failed grade two, Shalom, and they told me I was learning disabled and uh, I had dyslexia. So I, I, at an early in the age, knew that I loved learning. I just hated school in the format that I was being immersed in. And so I just grew a passion at an early age for understanding how people learn and had to develop my own strategies for compensating for uh, so-called weaknesses that didn't fit into the system as it was at the time. <laughs> Fascinating. Interesting. So uh, this book is a really, really interesting read because it's something that uh, entrepreneurs are doing constantly. As you say, igniting a shift, engaging minds, guiding emotions, and driving behavior. So uh, let's talk about the premise behind the book. How did you discover this? Well, I've, I've had a private practice for, I just retired from that just prior to COVID, but for over 20 years, I had a private coaching practice and got a lot of referrals from psychologists, psychiatrists, pediatricians, alternative healthcare professionals. And I became fascinated with people's lack of understanding of the fact that they can take ownership and accountability for their own states. And so the more I, I started coaching people to realize, hey, you're thinking 
that whole cognitive process, the stories you tell yourself, your beliefs, your values, impact your emotional state, which drives your behavior. And that's either empowering or disempowering. And I, I think that's really the root of where uh, the, the premise for the book came from, because people would say, you've got to write a book. Where do I get this in a book? And I would say, you know, if, if you see my library, there's hundreds of books. So it, it's really an, an all around passion for learning. Interesting. So you you just said something a moment ago, Stephen, that, that really, really piqued my interest. You talked about storytelling because I've talked about that quite a bit on Get Down to Business. And now I'm thinking, as you've been telling me your story, you are trying to make me think, feel, and do. Are you trying to manipulate me right now, Stephen? <laughs> what, why, why do you believe that stories can make others you know, think, feel, and do things? I, I think stories have... Well, first off, stories are the filters through which we interpret facts. And especially when we work with medical people with market access and, and in the pharmaceutical biotech field, uh, medical uh, specialists, they attempt to convince people logically with facts and with data. And what they find is that the data is filtered through the lens of the other person's story. And if their story conflicts with the data, they'll distort the data to fit their story. So it's really fascinating because as we um, associate people into narrative, into storyline, then support that narrative with our data, that's a very different thing than attempting to logically convince people with uh, data itself. Absolutely. I'm chatting with Stephen McGarvey, international speaker, expert on persuasion and influence, and the founder of a boutique consulting firm, Solutions in Mind. He assists corporations and audiences around the world in solving difficult communication problems by guiding them on an emerging, fast-paced, fascinating journey into the unconscious mind. And again, the book, Ignited Shift, Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions, and Driving Behavior, is on the USA Today and Wall Street Journal's number one bestseller list. And now I understand why. So, Stephen, I know in your book, you talk about the seven building blocks of rapport. We don't want to get too deep in the weeds over here, but what should we know? What should an entrepreneur tuning in to get down to business know about those seven building blocks? I, I think one of the key things is entrepreneurs and salespeople in particular think that the sale is based on relationship. And in the book, we explain that relationship is actually something we treat as an abstract noun that's actually the process of relating. It's how do I relate to the other person? How do they relate to me? And if we do that effectively, we conclude that we have a good relationship. And if we do it ineffectively, we conclude we have a poor relationship, bad relationship. So I think the, the empowering part of understanding rapport and the fact that it can be established and built almost instantly, and it's elastic. So if I stretch it and break it, I can back up a little bit, reestablish it, and then move forward from there. So I think understanding the difference between those two things empowers us to understand how do we technically, what are the building blocks of rapport, and how do we intentionally establish it very, very rapidly for the purposes of doing business? That's that's great. Um, we're going to have to go to a break in a, in a minute. But before we go, I'm really curious, sometimes in conversations, there's people that seemingly are not communicating. But I know you argue that you're always communicating, even when you're saying nothing. Can we just briefly talk about that before we cut the break? Absolutely. I always say you cannot not communicate it or communicate our gestures, our facial expressions, our breathing. All of those things are communicating a, a subtle nod in agreement or disagreement. Um, communicates, and sometimes outside of conscious awareness, uh, either way, we're constantly so being aware of the impact of our communication is one of the primary things that we encourage people to focus on. 
Absolutely. Fantastic, fantastic information. Again, I'm chatting with the author of Ignite a Shift, Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions, and Driving Behavior. We're going to cover it again in just a moment. Um, but Stephen McCarvey, how can people pick up a copy of the book and get in touch with you? They can get the book anywhere, Barnes & Noble, Chapters, Amazon, anywhere good books are sold, they can get it. It's Ignite a Shift. And they can also get it on our website at solutionsinmind.com. That's solutionsinmind.com. Fantastic. Again, we've got to cut to a very quick break here and get down to business. You can always get on my website, shellamcline.com. That's where you can subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. Get a sneak peek of who's going to be on next week on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're going to be continuing our conversation about communicating, about influence, engaging minds, guiding emotions, and driving behavior. We'll be right back and get down to business. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Continuing my conversation with the author of the USA Today and Wall Street Journal, number one bestseller, Ignite a Shift, Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions, and Driving Behavior. Uh, you can learn more on his website, solutionsinmind.com. I'm chatting with Stephen McCarvey, and we've been chatting a little bit about how you're always communicating, even when you're saying nothing. We've been chatting about the seven building blocks of rapport, and I have so many more questions, which we won't have time for, but I'm really curious because we are indeed always communicating, as you said a moment ago. Um, but I know, Stephen, you argue that it is possible to disagree without being disagreeable. How is that? I've been struggling with that my whole life. <laughs> Shalom, I, I think you would uh, be very good at this. It's using conjunctions rather than the word but. Uh, a lot of people say, I agree with you, but, and then they put their own opinion in. And what it does is it gives that person the experience that their opinion has been disregarded. Whereas if I say that's an interesting perspective and Another way of thinking about this is, or another perspective worth considering is, and there's multiple ways to disagree without being disagreeable and of shaping and forming the conversation in a direction without disparaging the other person or throwing their ideas out the word uh, out of the window. Oh, wow. Fantastic. That's great advice right there. Um, so again, even in this conversation, I'm asking you a lot of questions, um, but I know that you believe that there's a way to use your questions, whether it's in a, well, I always say the informational interview when you're talking to, you know, a potential new client or a new hire or a new boss, uh, potentially, um, that uh, use your questions strategically. Um, let's talk a little bit about that and, and why stating things in the positive makes such a big difference. Perfect. I'll, I'll address the second one first. Stating things in the positive is critical because the brain at an unconscious level fails to process negation. And this is a very common thing out there. If you look on YouTube, you'll find all kinds of things. If somebody says, don't think of the color blue or don't think of an elephant or don't worry, um, we refer to it as a negatively embedded command where I'm actually unconsciously installing the very thing that I want to move you away from. So the key thing there is to state it in the sense of what you do want rather than what you don't want. So when anybody tells me what they don't want, I said, well, if you avoid having that, what do you want in place of it? And really redirecting the brain in the direction of what they do want to keep them focused on that. And that leads us to questions because questions uh, are an incredibly powerful way of engaging and guiding the imagination. And so if we think of questioning as sending the person's brain on a quest, to search for information, then we can evaluate the question because we can start to consider what quest have I just sent their brain on? So if somebody says, and, and this applies to self as well as to others. So if I said to myself, Shalom, why am I always forgetting? 
it gets my brain searching for all the reasons why I'm forgetting. Whereas if I ask my brain a different question or myself a different question, what would make it easier for me to remember? Now my brain goes into a state of resourcefulness and helps me put together a strategy for remembering. Wow. Well, uh, we've covered so much and I have so many more questions that I know our listeners do as well. That's why I want to make sure everybody does their homework, which includes buying a copy of the book. So again, Steve McGarvey, can you share the name of the book and how we can get in touch with you one more time? Absolutely. It's called uh, Ignite a Shift and the tagline underneath is Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions and Driving Behavior. And it's available everywhere fine books are sold online and a lot of bookstores as well. And also on our website at solutionsinmind.com. And there's a link there for the book as well. And uh, Sean, I'd really enjoy our conversation. I'm happy to join you again to continue our dialogue anytime. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I encourage all of our listeners to get a copy of the book, which we'll link through our website as well. And Stephen, I definitely look forward to having you back on real soon because uh, these are really uh, key pillars, as you say, building blocks um, for success, whether it's in business, employment, uh, everybody can learn how to better communicate. Well, we certainly covered a lot in today's episode here on Get Down to Business. I encourage all of our listeners to get in touch with me on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you get a sneak peek of who's going to be on next. Next week on the show, all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. Check out our sponsors, our supporters, um, because each and every week, uh, they help to bring all this content, advice, and information to you. That's a wrap. So to success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM 560, The Answer. Have a great week ahead. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.